Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. A Celtic state of mind. It's Tuesday, and as Magic Patchett appears just as I'm saying that, uh, I'm your host, Dekka McConbo. I'm joined by my usual regular Tuesday co host, Patrick McGilp. And today we've got a special guest on a Tuesday. We've got Colin filling in for Lawrence. It is officially the young team on a Tuesday. Gents, how are you doing? 
I'm, I'm basking in this. I've not been the young team for a couple of years now, so I'm <laughs> taking everything that I can get right now. Good man. Patrick, how are you feeling? Not bad, better? not bad. Just well. a, yeah, oh, I'm hopefully on the mend. I don't know if you can hear the, the, the struggle in the voice. It's been coming and going the last couple of days, but just I'm a mad dad to find some earphones there. Nah, uh, I'm with you. Uh-uh. <laughs> if it's not, not if it's not one thing, it's another. Eh? But we're here. We've made it it's through. not COVID, luckily. I know that for us. Aye, I know. We are here, though. Um, we'll be covering all things Celtic. We'll be looking forward to Thursday night's Europa League fixture against Bayer Leverkusen, and we'll also be looking forward to Petosi, which I'll be lucky enough to be getting to attend. Looking forward to getting back up there for the first time since February 2020 when I. Have. Uh, scored that kind of goal at the very death um, it's a great day out but we'll, we'll kick off first I'm going to take a wee uh, visit down memory lane um, since it's European Football Week this week uh, today coincides with two two fixtures that probably stand out in Celtic one maybe in Celtic history one not in Celtic history but you know again we'll all remember anyway um, 1966 this was the first game on that run to the European final and becoming European champions against Zurich with Joe McBride and Tommy Gemmell getting a nice score, score sheet for Celtic and five years ago today was that free each game at, uh, at Celtic Park against Manchester City Pep's undefeated Manchester City at the time Colin what was your memories of that game um, Do you know, against City? Uh, the, the kind of build up to that game was really interesting because it was all about the battle of Britain as they called it then and Pep's team were the best footballing team in the world at that point. You've got the the kind of Real Madrid's and Barcelona's, but to watch Man City at that point, they were outstanding. And going into it, I don't think many Celtic fans really had much hope that we could get something out of the game. Yes, we were sort of building something, but it just coming up against a team like that, it was a, it was almost a sort of damage limitation. A bit like I think how some people are feeling ahead of Thursday night, to be perfectly honest. Mm. Um, it was actually the first Champions League game that my girlfriend had the opportunity to go to and I just remember before kick-off uh, doing the You'll Never Walk Alone and she turned to me and she said you don't actually understand how loud it is you can hear it on the telly but when you're there and the goosebumps and the hairs in your arms stand up that's when you realise how special a moment it is at Celtic Park and um, yeah to take the lead um, and then just after half time that goal from uh, Moussa Dembele it was outstanding and then something just sort of twigged with City at that point and then they got the equaliser and then from that point on we were sort of holding on but it was just one of those special European nights at Celtic Park and hopefully it won't be too long before we're back in uh, the kind of big tournament again and we're, we're giving teams like that a run for our money once again yeah, that is the place I think every Celtic fan wants the club to be. Obviously, at this time, we do find ourselves in the Europa League. We'll be playing a, a very good outfit on Thursday night. A, a team probably good, good enough calibre to actually be in the, the, the competition yeah. of the Champions League if you actually strip apart that Bayer Leverkusen side. Um, Patrick, we'll, we'll, we'll kick off on this one. Um, there's been a lot made about Celtic's midfield. Obviously, our captain Callum McGregor's been out for a wee while now. Um, and he's been playing that kind of holding midfielder position of the number six and uh, joining him in there has been David Turnbull and, and Tom Rogic. Um we've saw Turnbull be used as a number eight Rogic is the ten obviously we know that Turnbull can play as the ten um, are you still confident going forward that, that these two can play together because there's been a lot made about that they can't play together is it just the case that they've played too much football at this moment in time 
due to the fact that we've not got Callum McGregor in the midfield and that we can't rotate too much and we're just bringing in you know, McCarthy or Sorrow to play that holding midfielder role and need to depend on those two as the, as the creative midfielders? I think they probably can play together. Um, I'm not sure about Europe. I'm not sure that you can have two players like that playing in Europe because we've seen for years now how Rogic can totally go missing in a European game. He's not got the fitness or the legs or the speed to track back and press players and try and get the ball off off the opposition. And from what I've what we've seen of Turnbull uh, early this season, we've seen that he's a very similar player. So I'm not sure you can afford two players like that. But then again, if you take one or both of them out, you've got very little in the midfield to create chances, to actually score goals. So it is a bit of a conundrum. Um, who replaces Carl McGregor in that sixth role that you talk about? I don't know either, because MacArthur went off at half-time. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, at the weekend there. And, you know, that's a another massive gaping hole in our squad so uh, it's looking like it's backed against the wall on Thursday like Colin said with the Man City game all those years ago so I'm hoping for a a similarly shocking but good result Sorry I was going to say in that Man City game uh, near Beaton I think everybody forgets how how crucial are all they actually put at the start of that Brendan Rodgers era um, we've obviously saw Beaton being being used as a centre half in more recent times. Is is it possible that we could see a return to him in the midfield as, you know, in terms of the squad, what is one of the most experienced players within it? He Beaton's one of these ones that the analytics guys can't quite work out. I mean, if you tell someone that he's a centre back, some will argue he's a centre mid or a defensive centre mid. And if you do it, it's the same uh, vice versa. I th- I think Patrick's right in the fact that the players, when they're playing alongside each other, and you're talking about them playing the 8 and the 10 role, if you break it down, what you need is you need a holder, you need a box-to-box guy, and you need someone who's in that final third. And what you've got with both um, Turnbull and with Rogic is they're guys that thrive more in that final third. So at the minute, you've got Turnbull playing the 8 role, which is traditionally the box-to-box midfielder. But one, he's not got the legs to do that because his stamina has shown, although he's now playing 90 minutes, he does tire towards the sort of last third of the game. And two, he's just not got the pace. I watched the game on Sunday from the house because I've not been well, but there was a, a ball that got played out wide. And you're thinking if that's a, a winger or if it's anybody with a bit of speed, he's keeping that in to cross it over and the ball went out. And that's not to say that Turnbull's a bad player. I think on his day he can be fantastic and a great addition to the squad, but he just doesn't suit that role. And I think that's where a lot he's come under a lot of criticism this year. So when you look at it, what have you got as options for Thursday night? You've got Sorrow, who is very ill-disciplined. Um, he was very lucky to survive not getting a red card against uh, Betis. Then you've got potentially a half-fit McCarthy coming in, who was coming into a game, picked up a bit of a knock. Will he be fit for Thursday? The indications are that he may be, he may not be. There's also talk that McGregor could potentially come in. Do you risk him in a game like that? It's it's a very difficult decision that Ange has got to face. The only two that look as if they're nailed on to play are going to be Roderick and Turnbull. And at the minute, you'd want to rest one of them. It just shows how little options that we've got unless you turn to guys like, and I've seen it in the comments already, guys like Shaw, are you going to give him a debut? 
Are you going to give Henderson a game? You saw what Henderson done last season when he came in, when we vastly rotated the squad for the European game. I don't know. It's the hardest part of the Celtic squad right now to try and work out because even the three guys that you've got fit aren't a natural fit for that midfield. Yeah, and it's a midfield formation that I think we're going, we're going to stick with. I mean, he doesn't seem to be to be budgeting the four three three. Like a lot of no. managers don't budget the four three three. A lot of managers like to set their ways on it. Obviously, it can be executed differently in terms of what type of midfielder you play in there. And um, Colin, you spoke about that that six. Patrick, last week we spoke about two controllers possibly in executed in European games just to try and take a wee bit more hold of the game. Um, but in terms of that description, Colm, you, you spoke about a box-to-box midfielder there. Patrick, threw this one over to you. And a lot of the pre-season games we, we, we saw the show um, be, be used by the manager, that probably been down to how, how short the, the squad was at the time due to players being in international duty and, and injuries. Um, in terms of games like, you know, at Livingston against Rafe Rovers or against Dundee United at Celtic Park. Would you like to see guys like that being given that chance in the team just now? It was something we spoke about last season was there was guys within our ranks that were a bit younger, maybe weren't at that standard that we'd maybe expect to be first team level. But due to the fact that we're so short in that position just now, you know, would it be much of a risk, say, after the international break? You know, obviously these two games coming up are absolutely crucial. But after the international break, looking towards games like I think the place in Johnson at Celtic Park and whatnot, to give these guys a chance in the team? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see Liam Shaw be given a chance. I don't think Bayer Leverkusen at home is the time to give him that chance, you know, because I thought he was... It's hard to measure in a friendly, obviously, performances, but I thought in the the two or three games that he played, he was quite impressive. Uh, And I was quite shocked that he was just never seen again because I think we've seen Uwagidi more after pre-season than we did Liam Shaw. And he's twice the player that Uwagidi is. Uwagidi looks an absolute bomb scare at the back, whether that's at right back or it's at centre back. Uh, it does become a <coughs> excuse me. It does become a bit of a quandary though, because you're you're so thin in the ground; it's unbelievable. I mean, you seen at the weekend there. We, we didn't make any subs late in the game because we had no options. There was literally nobody on the bench mm-hmm. of any quality worth mentioning that we could bring on and you know you have Owen Moffat but whether that's the time to bring a, a young guy like that and I don't know you're left with guys like Beaton that you've just touched on who seems to have an addiction to fouling players and picking up bookings uh, Soro's the same Soro likes to do it with a smile on his face uh, but it's not it's not the type of quality that we need in the SPFL never mind against Leverkusen in the Europa League See, when you look at it, do you not think this is the chance that we had against Rafe Rovers the other week to maybe play one or two of these guys? Yep. I, I think that's one of the, although we won the game, I think mistakes were made there in the fact that if you've got so many games coming up, I think this is our fifth game in 14 days once you get to Pataudry at the weekend. This is where guys like Henderson, if they've had 20, 30 minutes here, you can turn to them. Because otherwise, when's the last time he kicked the ball for Celtic? It was probably the B-team game against Morton. That's how long ago it is, and it's hard to get up to speed. Yeah, and it was something that I think we all cried out for last year, was that that kind of pathway that we all spoke about in terms of going from youth team into the first team. And the guys that, you know, like Adam Montgomery and Stephen Welsh have been in and out of the team, they've not really been given that kind of stick-on point. And there's probably been 
times that we've looked at, you know, the game at Tynecastle, for instance, where he brings in B20 play alongside Starfield. I know it was his his debut, but in terms of what would be the natural defender, Patrick, <coughs> and you spoke about this at the time, he's in a coffin fit, so I'll come to you in this one, Colin. In terms of what they've been the natural defender at the time, you know, we've probably seen mistakes made up until now in terms of personnel choices. Again, if you maybe look at Sunday, I don't want to go too, in too heavy an answer, but just, you know, maybe just that rotation, just trying to give other guys and playing the natural players. Like, again, you know, Scales, who I thought looked decent when he came on against mm-hmm. Rainfowers last Thursday, play him in the left-back position because we know he can play there instead of playing Juranovic out of position. And he, again, will, will touch on because it looks as if he possibly might be out on Thursday. But, but would you say in terms of personnel, we need to look at rotating a wee bit more just due to the amount of games that we're playing? I think so. You're looking at it at the minute where there's like, what, 13, 14, maybe 15 at a push that you're saying is your first team squad and the rest of the guys, unfortunately, at the minute, just look to be there to make up the numbers. I mean, when you, you turn and look at that bench, you mentioned uh, Uragidi there, Patrick. I've not seen him kick a ball since the West Ham game. No. That, and by all accounts, if you hear the stories that's coming out about him, he's better set in the B team than what he is in the first team just now. I like the look of Scales. I thought Scales was very dominant on the ball um, against Rafe Rovers. He, he looks quick. He's tall. You can see why he can play both centre-back and left-back. So that option is there to kind of utilise him. It then pushes Montgomery further up the field. So that if you do have to go and put two guys up front, then you can maybe move Yota into the middle alongside Ayeti or Yakamatis, whoever's going to be playing. Um, and you can get that sort of change in formation. At the minute we're just sort of stuck with this is plan A and this is the players we've got and if it doesn't work you turn to the bench and you go there's nothing really there I mean when you look at the game against Livingston you're bringing on guys like Beaton to try and turn the game round and that's just the, the hand that we've been dealt with at the minute because of the amount of injuries we've picked up between that and probably not investing enough in the transfer window yes we brought 12 players in but we let 15 go we had to match up at least one for one in that instance and I think at this point we're in the worst position we could possibly be um, in terms of player injuries, in terms of form and you can only hope that it gets better from now onwards Um, because honestly looking at it picking up an injury to anybody else, can it get much worse? No, it really can't I mean, somebody in the comments Patrick, I seen infirmary for you but Celtic Park Lennox (laughs) seems like a bit an infirmary amount of players that we've got out injured um, if you look at uh, um obviously he sustained a, an injury in, in warming up last Thursday evening against Ray Rovers. We didn't see him feature in that game or obviously there on Sunday. Um, there's a possibility that he might be on the bench for Petodri on Sunday. Um, throw this one over to you, Patrick. We saw a lot of the, bo- the ball going out of the box at Alan Vale and against Dundee United. Do you think we are preparing in terms of our game plan? to suit a player like this and we've just not got it at this moment in time that we can you know stick with the 4-3-3 formation but a Yeti just isn't that type of player that's going to get on to yeah and by the way he scored a cracking header against <coughs> County at home which he, he obviously you know it was a good goal but do you think we're preparing for somebody like that a big target man to get the ball into I think we're preparing for that when you know Ange ball doesn't work when plan A doesn't work because the crosses are becoming more and more frequent every time we're struggling uh, a game uh, I think Kyogo's the first choice striker I'll be honest mm-hmm. uh, we, we shouldn't be crossing it into him that's for sure because 
I think he's well under six foot. Um, when it comes to Giacchio Marcus, you know, he was injured in the warm-up against Faith Rovers, I believe. And I, I'm not sure whether we, we are the unluckiest team in the world or our fitness and conditioning department is just totally substandard because you're talking, I think, eight or nine first-team players about with some mm. sort of niggle or injury. You know, guys like Forrest, uh, Giacomakis, Kyogo, McGregor, Johnston and Dembele. Julian's a lot more serious, obviously, but the amount of guys that just go out for a month or two and, you know, it's not, it's not even announced. You know, teams like Arsenal announce this and they have weekly updates. We need to wait for some sort of uh, paper journalist in a press conference, you know, uh, to ask the manager. But going back to your question, uh, I think he's working on a plan B, but at the moment he's forced into sorrow and beat on being that plan B when he would actually like, you know, players like Forrest, Giacomakis, Guys like that take him off the bench and try and make an impact. But, you know, unfortunately, as Colin says, we're, we're stuck with all these injuries and there, there's not a lot we can do. We're in a really, really bad position. And I'm hoping he's right. I'm hoping things can only get better, as mm. Dwayne once said. Colin, um, in terms of that, in terms of, you know, our, our departments and whatnot, um, we've just brought McElhone and Matty Spence mm-hmm. in the comments to say we just appointed new head of sports science. Um I think it's still Fredbear and probably in terms of we've got in that department just now is not at the standard that we probably had under Brendan Rodgers and what we've lost even after Neil Lennon departed the club obviously Naylor's lost, left the club mm-hmm. I think he's meant to be Leipzig and there's a lot of other people left the club um, do you think it's time to you know really hone in on that and, and look at our personnel in there in terms of you know why players particularly at Celtic sustain injuries that they're out for so long one of the most common being a calf injury that we seem to get so often that we get we just miss players from is it time to maybe look at that or is it you know the, the training methods because we saw a, a comment come out last week um, whether true or not that McCarthy wasn't up to pace at all with the, the, the mm-hmm. Celtic training methods and what Angie's doing is it time that we look at both those factors Do you know what's interesting see if you take a look at it um, there is actually a trend here in the fact that when uh, when Ronnie Dyler came in I'll just let Patrick die there quietly um, when Ronnie Dyler came in this was a common theme we saw players out injured guys like Kieran Tierney seemed to pick up an injury every couple of weeks Scott Brown was out for with a calf injury for a number of weeks Callum McGregor picked up injuries and then when Brendan Rodgers came in we also had this as well but the difference with these guys was that the squad they had was a lot bigger. So you, you probably didn't notice it as much at the time. But under Dyla and under Rogers, there was times where we had six, seven guys out. But we had six, seven guys that could step in right now. We've just not got that luxury. And it's something that is a trend that's continuing throughout Celtic. I think even Neil Lennon in his second spell had that as well. So is that more a case of poor sort of management behind the scenes? We probably, as much as we thought we knew how big a rebuild this club needed in the summer, we probably still underestimated it. We're just talking now about bringing in Anton McElhoe as the the sports scientist, former uh, Morton manager Anton McElhoe. Um, How he managed to get that job, the Morton fans down here will still argue point blank that he was nowhere near good enough. But he is a sports scientist. 
and that he does have the experience in. Now that he's in, he'll start working on his own team. And just working on his own team in the background, you saw he's been stuck with the likes of Kennedy and Strachan um, and McManus. We were always told that once the transfer window closed, he would move on to that. But what happened when the transfer window closed? We lost on Mackay. So we had to then restructure up there as well. There is a lot going on behind the scenes at this club. Um, and it's probably an underestimation to think that it could have been fixed in the space of two or three months. We're currently at the stage where Lennox Town's just getting a redevelopment because we've still not got an indoor plastic pitch that we can train on. Things like that could offer an extra 10% going into games against Livingston where you are coming up against a team on a plastic pitch because I think as it stands, and somebody might tell me I'm wrong, the, the sorry Lennox Town itself doesn't have a plastic pitch. We're redeveloping Barrafield to have one and that's quite concerning. Yeah, you do need to adapt to, you know, what you've got in front of you in the league and obviously Livingston remain the only solid, solitary team in the league uh, now with a plastic pitch. But if you only go back to season before, you know, Hamilton, Kilmarnock, Livingston, three games, three teams that, you know, you, you want to pick up maximum points against. And, you know, we can use the excuse of plastic pitches so often, but you need to, you know, adapt in yourself to, to you know, play in that surface and get used to it before you actually go and play. It's the same in European qualifiers, you think, teams. Um, with it, Patrick, in terms of, you know, sports science and, and what we've got and everything that Colin's talking there behind the scenes, how big a concern is that still to you? Sean Ross says in the the comments and said they wanted three or four in sports sciences. That is what he said in the press. We've all seen it. He said he needed help, I think, in those departments. Um, <coughs> it's obviously it's a concern to all of us, but how big a concern is it to you that we still don't have these these people in the building? As Colin rightly points out, you know, everything is not settled at Celtic Park just now. There's still a lot going on behind the scenes. We don't actually have a permanent CEO at this point in time either. Yeah, I mean, uh, he said that a few months ago, I believe, at least a few weeks ago now anyway. And, you know, we've managed to replace, albeit an interim version, but we've managed to replace a CEO. You you see how long it took to replace a manager. So when it comes to the footballing department, I don't think we had a big list of sports science guys ready. Uh, so I can see why it's taken a while. That's if they're going for it at all. They might just not be bothering. You know, you, you, you really do not know with the charlatans that are running our club, you know, what the agenda is here. Um, I'm sure Angel have names in his head, people in his head, people he's previously worked with. There's a Man City connection there. Uh, you know, we've got our own Man City connection and uh, <laughs> Peter Lowell's son. Uh, so I'm sure we could nick one of those, one of one of their guys. Um, but you know, we're letting people go. I think you mentioned uh, the guy Naylor, who left Naylor? To Leipzig, mm-hmm. uh, and then you had. Uh, Brendan Rogers' protege that left in 2019 to Leicester and I think the club were more than happy for him to leave they, they didn't see the value in him it's almost like the club don't value these guys when you know we're, we're racking up injuries we're inferior in these departments to uh, other teams who are six points ahead of us in the league uh, the manager is telling people publicly that he needs these guys in and we appear to just not value them so it's an absolute mystery. Uh, I don't think there's enough football people uh, on the board. And, you know, we could go around in circles about the Celtic board all day, every day. But I'm I'm really, really hoping Ange puts his foot down. We can get sports science guys in quicker than, uh, quicker than later. 
and um, hopefully kick on with, with less injuries from now on. I tell you what, it's, it's almost as if we're firefighting at the moment. We're just getting through on a week-by-week basis. Mm-hmm. And then you've got things like the international break coming up um, in the next couple of weeks. You're hoping and in that time, you've got the time to actually concentrate on these areas, identify some of your targets, speak to them, try and bring them in, so that when it comes back around to the next round of fixtures, you've got some of these guys in place. Okay, Rome's not built in a day, but slowly but surely you put the building blocks together um, and then you'll see the benefits of even getting another one or two coming in. I think, Colin, when you look at you know the, the term rebuild, as you say, it's building blocks and it's putting something together that, that's going to last for a while, like what Brendan Rodgers did. And, you know, yeah, I completely accept that results at this point in time haven't went in our favour. Mm-hmm. But if you have to start, you know, saying, you know, the manager's going to leave or whatever else, then you just completely tear apart anything that you've tried to build in place. Like McElhone coming in, I'd imagine that Andrew's given the nod to. Well, I would hope that he's given the nod to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if it was ever the case that, you know, the manager was to, to step away from the job or whatever, you know, by, the, by next summer, then in terms of sports scientists and all that stuff, you need to start again and you're bringing somebody into work with a team that they don't know. And a lot of managers now in the modern game like to work with their own team that they've picked. Um, John, in the comments, is, I can't believe everyone blames their fitness team for injuries. Two were horrendous tackles, two were in international duty. Um, Giamakis and McCarthy had no pre-season for us. Nanko Spoon, we have very few soft tissues. Um, to look at that in terms of uh, challenges on our players, if you go back to the weekend, um, one that I never really picked up on uh, until I saw that the clip yesterday was Seagrist on Abada. Um, a lot was made about a, a penalty uh, for Dundee United, but that challenge, Patrick, I'll throw this one over to you. I don't know if you've saw the clip, but it's a really bad challenge. And um, I think, you know, <coughs> if we had VAR in the league or, you know, Kevin Clancy, I would thought if he had a, a replay, just say it's ending off, isn't it? Apologies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it at the time. I've not seen the clip. I've not seen the replay, but. It looked pretty bad at the time. And I, I mean, I thought it was a penalty. I'm not sure about sending off because I've not seen it back, but I thought it was a definite penalty. Um, I thought we had a few shouts for a penalty. I've not watched the game back. I don't, I'm not rushing to watch back Celtic games that aren't victories, I'll be honest. Um, I don't watch sports scene either if we don't win. Don't worry, you're not the only one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought we had a few penalty shouts and, you know, I thought it was a pretty abysmal refereeing performance mm. uh, on Sunday actually I thought there was quite a lot that we could have got that Kevin Clancy didn't give and uh, yeah we, we had enough to win the game because we hit the bar three times and you know uh, I'll be in a Yeti misses an open goal on the 21st minute or something but mm. uh, yeah I thought we had enough to win the game yeah Patrick there's a few people saying they hope you're okay Paddy's told you uh, recommended Kivonia to you and somebody else has sent for an ambulance so there you go there is concern and I think probably Lennox Town is occupying quite a lot of those injuries maybe just send you up there and they'll look after you with the rest of the boys Colin there's a lot made about um, the challenge from Vickers in the box but to me it's a foul in Starfield before it even happens yeah, it's, there's two fouls. You've got the foul on Starfield, you've got the foul on um, the, the Dundee United player by Cameron Carter-Vickers. That's something he's got to be careful of um, because I think it was only for the fact that the referee was having such a poor game that 
we managed to get away with that one. Um, it was almost as if he knew he'd made the mistake before, so he was not given that one again. And I, I don't like that about Scottish referees. You see that quite often. It's if they give a bad decision, they try and equal it up in the second half of a game. Uh, that's something that's the <clears throat> the standard of refereeing in Scottish football has to improve. It's not just for Celtic. It's you look at the did you see the the penalty that was given in the Premier Sports Cup for Hibs away at Dun was it Dundee United when Mark Reynolds was alleged to have brought United. down yeah when he was alleged to have brought down Paul McGinn and he's won the ball clear and simple <laughs> things like that it gives you no confidence when you're looking at guys like that coming in and refereeing your game so that decisions like as you said the fix one the Seagrass one you just know that there's going to be something that you'll be talking about the day after the game because they've not got it right. The Seagrest one, I think a lot of that comes down to the way that keepers are sort of told what to do to command their area. Um, nowadays, you see, when the ball goes up... It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just one dollar text the word grade to 32 32 32 right now hooked on phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day for more than 30 years hooked on phonics has been the proven learn to read program that kids love to use text grade to 32 32 32 and teach your child to read in just 30 days guaranteed text grade to 32 32 32 right now and get started for just one dollar text grade to 32 32 32 now text grade to 32 32 32 they're going up with the hands, but they're also going up with the legs as well to sort of protect themselves and protect the ball. Now, like karate see, kick Gordon, if you remember back. Exactly. Now, that's one of the worst uh, tackles I've seen at Celtic Park, was that how he managed to get away with that is beyond me. Um, he did get a, a role in the Karate Kid film after it, but so, I mean, every cloud. But we saw McGregor do it and he gets sent off. Um, and Gerard basically said to him, I've got no defence for you. The, the goalkeepers have got to be very, very careful about this. They want to be safe in their own area, but they can't just commit fouls. Just because they're the ones that can put their hands on the ball doesn't mean they can go around fouling everybody else. He was very lucky. And as you said, if VAR was there, would it have turned it round? 
I mean, you would think so, but with the standard of Scottish refereeing, it's still a human that's controlling that machine, so who knows? Yeah, we, we don't know. And obviously goalkeepers, you know, in the modern game are, are very much so protected. The referee wasn't an excuse on Sunday, of course not, but I don't think it helped to our, our play because, um, you know, just some terrible decisions from him. Kevin Clancy, and as you say, Pat, it was a few big calls in there that probably could have changed the game a bit. But um, to move on from that, in terms of something that could have changed the game a bit, Albin Ayeti read Scotland in the comments, said uh, even Siebel would have scored that Ayeti chance. Um Patrick, what did you make of his overall performance on on Sunday, Albert? I thought it was poor. Uh, I thought for long parts of the game, he, he wasn't involved at all. And then when he did get involved, he was wasting half decent opportunities. Or you know, he, he's he's a big fan of taking these really heavy touches that sort of kill counter attacks or good moves. He then sort of runs to the side of the park and passes the ball back the way. Uh, I think there's a reason he's our third choice striker, um, and the only reason he's get he's getting a game is because of you know the fitness and injuries of Kyogo and Gia Um he, he he done pretty well against I, I thought anyway Ross County and uh, Real Betis a week or two ago. Uh, Van Vossen, he'd have been proud of that one. Um, but no, I, 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 he's not. He's not a player that you know we, we can rely on going forward. And you know the Ivan is with him and Barkas, the money that we spent, we could have got Ivan Tony, who again was getting rave reviews this weekend for his uh, Saturday night performance against Liverpool. You know, just a, another wasted opportunity, another piece of bad management from uh, from the Celtic board. Um, you know, the, the, the two million that we spent in Shane Duffy that could have went towards Ivan Tony as well. You know, it's it really is baffling, and you know, we've got no one to blame for the mess that we're in apart from ourselves. Um, I'll tell you what, Colin, Colin, just going to say, Paul in the comments is saying a Jetty's low in confidence. What, what would you say about that? Because I think that now he's been given a chance and around the team, and just I don't know how you lift his confidence at all. Yeah, he's, he's one of those ones where, yeah, he does look low in confidence, but. Even when he gets a goal, it doesn't seem to be enough for him. You don't see him making that movement. It doesn't seem to be the kind of player that he is. Here's one though. Kyogo missed a very similar chance earlier in the season. I think was it Jablonek away when he missed yeah. from about two yeah. or three yards out and yeah. went right over uh-huh. the bar. But the difference between Kyogo and Ayeti was Kyogo went and scored later on. And he yeah. doesn't let it get to him. Yeah. And I think he missed did he miss one similar? In one of the reduced capacity games as well, maybe one of the first games. Of the game against, I think it was like I got you know he's had it against Dundee. I think he missed a set of rights in that game as well. Yeah, missed a few chances in that one. Yeah, Th- that's no. the difference between a quality striker and a striker that's kind of not up to standard. Is quality strikers are able to put these chances behind them, and they can go on, they can score a hat trick, and do you know what? You'll forget about them until I bring them up on this. But the people will forget about them. But the the whole performance on Sunday from Ayeti, the only thing that people are thinking about is that miss that he had. I mean, he had a header in the second half, which was quite difficult, but he almost got it on target. And I looked up the stats, he had 17 touches of the ball. 17 touches in 90 minutes. How can you get involved in a game like that? Yeah. Now, I what said- does that come down to? Does it come down to we're not um, suiting the way of... I hope Patrick's okay, by the way. Um, come back it just always cuts out don't worry <laughs> um, 
I don't know if that comes down to the, this thing that we're talking about earlier, where you've got to try and play to the strength of the striker because he's the guy that's going to put the ball in the net, or whether it's just a case of a Yeti's not putting any effort in to try and adapt to the style of football that we want to play. Either way, there's got to be a give there. And I, I, I kind of hope that you're right in what you're saying, that we're planning for Yakimatis to come in to be that striker. And it just means that when he comes in, it's a very simple transition. We've not got to change the style of play that we're playing just now. It's just a worry, though, Colin, that if when Giacomacus does come in, that he can sustain a level of fitness for us because we don't want to then come round to this, you know, see Kyogo picks up something again. And then we're back at this point where you've left maybe Albia Yeti out the team for four or five games and then you're throwing him in again because he'll probably know at that point, you know, he's right down the pecking order. In terms of these two seasons at Celtic Park, it's not worked out. The manager last season said up until about January, February time, he wasn't fit. So, but I think the point you touched on there, it's his work rate, I think is the biggest frustration to Celtic fans. It's probably not just that miss on on Sunday that's the issue. It's a work rate and that's what Chris in the comments is saying. He said, Kyogo is a buzz bomb and I yet he's lazy. But would you say that is the biggest frustration we have yet? It's not the chances that he misses, it's his overall work rate and his performance as a collective in the team. I'm not. I'm not too sure. I'll be honest. Um, he, he pressed the goalkeeper quite a few times when you know Dundee United were passing back to the goalkeeper. Uh, that that doesn't appear to get us anywhere. Uh, it worked once or twice with Ronnie Dyla. I mean, we scored a few goals with that, but it, it doesn't seem to get us anywhere. I'm not sure if it's laziness. I think. I'll be honest. I just think he's a really poor striker. Uh, I, I just don't think he's cut out for, you know. The, I, either the way that we want to play or the level that we're playing at because he seems to thrive in the 12-yard, 18-yard sort of area. But when teams are getting 11 men behind the ball, he's he's only going to get one or two chances like that, especially if, as Colin says, he's only getting 17 touches all game. You know, you, you can't afford to have a player like that, in, in my opinion, in the modern game. Because you need all eleven players being part of it, being part of the system, passing the ball, moving it forward, and I just don't think a Yeti suited to that. See, when you look at it, Declan, where would a Yeti fit in at any other team in the Premier League, in the Scottish Premier League? Where does he fit in? Where is his level? Where is a, a team where he would go to and say he's going to score you fifteen, twenty goals? Because it's not Celtic. It wouldn't be Hibs. It wouldn't be an Aberdeen. I mean, how far down would he need to go before? You, you, he's someone that Celtic's not signed he's, he's signed for a St Mirren or a Motherwell and you're going that's a guy that we should get at Celtic Park because until now he's not done anything to suggest that he even suits Scottish football at all No and I think even in terms of when we actually brought him in you know if you look at the, the way in which we bought last summer he was obviously brought in to play with somebody beside him and I don't think you know Ange Postacoglu isn't going to start messing about with his formation because I think he is going to stick with this 4-3-3 you know other teams as I said at the top of the show stick with the 4-3-3 it's not going to be a case of us um, you know changing our shape and accommodating Albia Yeti Albia Yeti needs to accommodate us and I think as you say Colin um, in terms of you know the way we're going to go forward and the way the personnel is going to work we hope Giacomacus can, can fit right in into that 4-3-3 formation but at this point in time I, I don't know where the Yeti plays because a lot of people say he needs somebody up front but do you any of you two see Postacoglu changing his formation to, com- to accommodate Albi a Yeti? No. I don't. Why would you though? I mean it'd be different if he'd been on this run of form where he'd scored sort of 5-10 goals and then 
Kyogo comes back in and you're going, well, Kyogo's my number one striker, but Ayeti's scoring the goals. Then you try and accommodate them. I mean, we tried to accommodate them um, when we're looking at Edward and Kyogo earlier in the season, and it didn't work. So you're kind of saying, right, well, you learn from that and you don't do that. So Ayeti's not done anything in his time at Celtic to suggest that he's someone we've got to try and fit into that team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and somebody's came in in the comments here, Donny Boy 67, reminded us of Patrick Clamalla. He said he's doing reasonably well in the States at this moment in time, but he's getting a run of game which he didn't get with us. Would you two say that you probably actually saw more from Patrick Kamala and a bad Celtic team last season to say that he probably would have merited more of a, a chance under Ange Postecoglou than Albion Ayeti already has? Um, oh, it's, it's, there's not a lot in it there. Uh, I was never that impressed with Kamala, I'll be honest. He scored a really good goal against Hamilton Ackes in the first, uh, first day of the season last year from a really, really tight angle. Apart from that, I can't think of many highlights, I'll be honest. St. Uh, Johnson. Yeah, St. Johnson goal was good. It's a cracking goal. Remember, they get absolutely wiped you know, out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wiped out and they in, got in up the last scored. minute, after Griffith mm-hmm. scored the first. Yeah, I do remember that. Uh, hard as nails, Jim Clamalla. Uh, I would probably play him over a Yeti, to be honest. He seems like more of a threat in the air. He seems a lot tougher. He's probably quicker. Um I just I don't think either of them are Celtic's quality. You know, if you if you're doing reasonably well in the MLS, you know, just look at Lewis Morgan. These are guys that just they they leave and have a career elsewhere, but it was just never meant to be at Celtic because it's just not what we are looking for. We are just at a higher level. And I think a Yeti also sadly fits into that category. Um luckily I think we're only going to have to suffer him for two more games because Kyogo will be back after the international break. Yeah. Well, it looks like Kyogo has not been picked for, for Japan for this international break. He will be staying in Glasgow, um, meaning probably we'll see more photos with him as he seems to get about the place in Glasgow. <laughs> um, but hopefully, fingers crossed, he will return um, for that game at Fur Park on the 16th of October. By the way, t- to give Motherwell a mention on this, they are doing a food bank collection drive. Hopefully, there will be Celtic fans at that game. Um even though Celtic, you know, aren't accommodating away fans at this moment in time. But uh, if you are, you know, looking to, to go along to that game in a, a few weeks' time, uh, you know, I, I will chip in with it and I'm sure everybody else will take along anything or give something to the donations. I'm sure it'll go a long way to, to help people in the coming months and the run up to Christmas. Um, yeah. To look forward towards Thursday, um, Leverkusen, you know, when they came out the draw, they were always going to be a tough opponent. We've, we've watched Celtic face some... Uh, relatively tough German sides in the past five years or so. If you go back to that that group that we're in with Man City, we saw Gladbach and um, we got a good result over there. But again, we got schooled at Celtic Park by a Gladbach team that were they were decent, but they weren't anything to write home about, I didn't think. But they just completely played us off the park that night. Um, Patrick, in terms of Leverkusen, obviously we went up, uh, we went two up in Spain and we... We crumbled a bit, didn't we? We we didn't hold on to it. We we looked a bit naive in terms of our game management. Um, do you think the manager will have learned a lesson from from that Thursday night in Spain? To that, if you know that the, the same outcome happened in Thursday night, that we'd maybe you know make a sub quicker or, or change something in terms of the way that, that we play. I'm not sure there are subs to make. You know, we're so thin <laughs> in the ground that you know this you, is true. You're bringing on Beaton. You know that that is that is the the substitution. Unless he starts. God forbid. And you're bringing uh, on Sorrel. 
Oh my. Uh, at least you get your booking points on your bet three six five. Uh, my God. Uh, I think Ange said before the Betis game, correct me if I'm wrong, that <clears throat> if you're playing the biggest game of your career, you wouldn't change your style. So why would you change your style against, you know, a Europa League group stage match against Real Betis? I, I don't think he's going to be changing anything. And this is where I begin to worry, because Brendan Rodgers done the exact same thing. You know, we, we were thumped 5 nothing against PSG at home. And, you know, when we went to pay, play PSG away, we just set up the exact same way, except we had one more defender. We went with a back five. If if results don't go your way and you continue to play the same way, it's going to completely demoralise players. And you, you need to have something about you. You know, Strachan managed it. Strachan famously got so many results in Europe for us. <clears throat> Being a, a, a def- uh, having defensive masterclasses uh, I'm hoping that we can pull something off because we appear to have a settled goalkeeper and back four compared to other areas of the park we've got Ralston <coughs> we've got Carter Vickers Starfield or Welsh can play next to him <laughs> and uh you know who that who are who our first choice left back is. Nobody knows. I don't think Angie even knows. Uh, I, I I would like to see skills. Hmm? Dramatically, you would like to see skills. You get that <laughs> dramatically. Skills you drop the phone and everything. <laughs> what a disaster I'm having today. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see skills just because of the, the height, the physicality. Uh, I think he's a quality player, and you know I'm hoping we, we pull off some sort of defensive masterclass because. No, we're so thin in the ground. I, I would take I would take anything at the moment, to be honest. Colin, your thoughts about Thursday in terms of you know will there be lessons learned from that game in in Seville, or do you think what what Patrick's saying is correct that you know it won't change too much? And uh, what would be your thoughts in a life back position? Obviously, volleyball and goalie, who we saw fe- featured at the Spaghetti Ad, um, is not in the Europa League squad, so it won't be him at left back. So. Who is it? Because there's a possibility that Juranovic might not even be playing in first, I think. Yeah, so you've got the kind of toss of a coin between playing Adam Montgomery there or Liam Scales. And uh, for the sake of um, whatever device that Patrick's using, I hope it's Liam Scales because he might take his frustration out on it if it isn't. <laughs> um, no, look, I think it's, it's a kind of solid option, either one of the two of them. Um, and I also think that if you play Scales at left-back, You've got that option to push Montgomery forward and he is another option to come off the bench as well. Um, in an attacking sense at the minute, there isn't really anybody there. Will Yakamatis be on the bench? Who knows if he is. The likelihood is he's your only attacking option if you've got to play Montgomery at left-back. So it's such a, it's such a threadbare squad that there's probably players that are picked because they're the only option there. Anthony Ralston's going to be at right-back. Nothing to do with the, the performances he's put in recently. It's just that he's the only one that's there. Mm-hmm. You're looking at the, the centre-half positions, Cameron Carter-Vickers, and then it's a toss of the coin between Welsh and Starfield. We, we spoke about the sixth position, we spoke about the defenders, and then if Yakamatis isn't fit, you've got to play a Yeti because he's your only recognised striker. There isn't any strikers coming through from the youth development system that you can say, we'll just put him on the bench, the same way that he did with Tony Watt against Barcelona. We'll just put him on the bench and we'll just see what happens. There isn't anybody there. 
Joey Dawson's the only one he's not even in the European squad because he's not eligible. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of people saying, Owen Moffat, do you know what? If it's a case you've got to play, you've got to have at least seven, nine subs for European games. Throw Moffat on there. Mm-hmm. If, if Johnson's back and he can even play 15 minutes, get him on the bench. You've got to try and make up the numbers, but it's got to be numbers that you can get 10, 15 minutes out of as well. Um, and just on what you were mentioning before that about Motherwell, it's a, a great achievement that they're doing that food bank thing um, on October 16th. I hope to be at that game as well. Uh, and if anyone sees me at that game, it is my birthday, so feel free to buy me a pint. <laughs> there you go. Colin's going to get... Like, you're, you're just getting free drink at Axel and everything now, mate. Eh? Just got to chance your luck, innit? Got to chance your luck. You do have to chance your luck. You're talking about right-backs there. Tony Ralston... Um, in terms of Leverkusen, we're going to come up against our our old player and Jeremy Frimpong, um, who left for for Leverkusen. I think we were all kind of shocked when he left in, in January. It was not one of the players that we expected to to depart, but he's you know he's a stick one to play for for Leverkusen on Thursday. Um, do you think we'll appreciate you know how good a footballer he was? Obviously, we our time was cut short watching him in the flesh due to COVID or do you think we'll <clears throat> realise that we probably were right to just cash in on him and get him out that, or do you think that under Ange we could have seen a different player? Um, I think we definitely would have seen a different player under Ange. Um, his first season, you know, he, he slowly came into a game and he was, you know, fairly consistent after he came onto a game. Second season, just like everyone else, complete disaster. You know, everyone was, was a shadow of their former selves. Uh, in that second season uh, I, I distinctly remember the final balls that Frimpong was putting in you know the crossing was absolutely diabolical it was comparable to Ryan Christie's long long shooting uh, because of how diabolical it was um, even on form I think 11 or 12 million was pretty good considering Frimpong had only played you know 40 or 50 games for Celtics you know I thought that was good business. I'd have liked to have held on to him because, you know, I think Tierney, we were offered about £10 million for Tierney after one, after one season. Uh, we kept hold of him and, you know, look at the player he became. But, you know, I, I think the good thing about Thursday is we know from Pong's weaknesses. We know what he's good at, uh, how to exploit him. Uh, and, you know, it's always nice when these players come back after being relatively successful. Uh and hopefully gets a good reception. Hmm. But Jota, probably we would imagine, unless the unthinkable happens and we maybe see a badder go through the middle, there's been talk, you know, it was mentioned yesterday that we could maybe see Montgomery on the left-hand side. Jota moved out of position to the right-hand side and a badder through the middle. I, I probably wouldn't be in favour of doing that. I'd rather stick with the two wingers. Mm-hmm. I thought the two of them played, mm-hmm. you know, I thought Jota on Sunday was excellent. I thought a badder had a decent game. Um, I'd rather stick with them in their you know, kind of natural uh, yeah, positions. Calling play three players out of position for absolutely yeah. no reason. I don't understand. Yeah. Mm. Um, tenants back in the comments. Colin is asking what your tipple is, so I think you might be taking up in that free drink. Uh, oh, Motherwell. Can't um, wait. <laughs> so there you go. To look forward to to Sunday uh, at Petodre, we, we face an Aberdeen side like we face an, a Livingston side that are not in a good run of form. Um, Aberdeen have not won an eight. Uh, again, there's been a big turnaround there uh, in terms of you know Stephen Glass coming in, the kind of changeover period from uh, from McInnes to him. Um, do you think one of the questions probably that the press will, will run with is you know Stephen Glass and Ange Postecoglou under pressure or do they need to 
be giving some slack in terms of you know what, what they're trying to build at both football clubs. Yeah, do you know it's been a talking point now for the last couple of days on the uh, State of Scottish Football Show, um, which is live every every weekday night at six o'clock on this channel. Um, and we were speaking about it, or the team was speaking about it yesterday. And when you look at it, that's no wins in eight. And the ninth, the ninth game was a European game um, for Aberdeen. They haven't really won a league game since that victory at the Spaghetti Ad. And that is really concerning for them. But the thing that Stephen Glass has had over Ange Postacoglu is he came in in the March, April time. The, the kind of time where we were saying we had to appoint a first team manager to give him a chance to look at the squad to see who needed to come in and out and then to build from it that Ange hasn't didn't have that we got Ange in almost as late as we possibly could because of the saga that happened in the summer um, with the, the the other manager that we were going for so Clash has had this time he's brought in a captain he's spent the most amount of money that Aberdeen have spent in a long long time and they do have some very good players. Um, Christian Ramirez up front could cause us a lot of problems at the weekend. He's a, a big handful of a striker. He scored a fantastic goal against um, St Mirren at the weekend. Uh, a header where he's basically thrown himself backwards just to connect onto it. But at the back, they just look so unstable. They've got the, the guy, David Bates, that used to play for Rangers. Um and if anybody's seen the highlights of that game at the weekend, he sells the jersey for all three goals. Mm-hmm. And at the minute you're looking at it and you're going, this is the perfect time to play Aberdeen because they are so poor. But have we got the players that could actually cause them trouble? At the minute, I don't know. What you're speaking about there, about Abada and uh, Yota playing okay. on the wings, the best thing that they can do, and we, we saw it against Race Rovers, is actually to cut inside. If we, when we go through the middle, the teams don't know how to play against us. When the ball goes out wide and the cross comes over, you've got a guy that in Albina Yeti who's five foot ten, but he's four foot eleven when he jumps. He doesn't ever get on to the back of anything. He doesn't cause any problems for the centre back pairing. That Dundee United, there was a sixteen year old centre back playing on Sunday, and he cruised it. He absolutely cruised it. Yeah, because the Yeti caused him absolutely no troubles. Now again, it might be different if it's Yakimatis, like we're saying, and if he's six foot one and he looks very good in the air of his 29 goals I think 10 or 11 of them were headers last season guys like that that's the kind of the way maybe change it up and you get the balls coming in but at the middle at the minute sorry I think you've got to play the ball on the deck through the middle let Abada come across because that's where he gets his goals if he's cutting in from the right hand side he gets beyond the left back he gets beyond the centre half and he gets his um, he gets his head or his foot onto the back of him and that's where he's scoring the goals and Yota, if you've seen any of Yota's clips, he loves to cut in and fire a shot away. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of way we need to try and play this one on Sunday. Yeah. Because if, you, if you're starting again with a Yeti up front, these crosses are just going to come in and it's just going to be a complete waste. And that again, Colin, talking about you know Jota maybe cutting inside, is at that point that you'd look for a Yeti if he's in the box in the right positions to get on to maybe, you know, if Joe Lewis spills a ball for him to get on to the, the ball that's spilled in the box to try and get you a goal because that is, you know, what he's meant to be good at as a lively penalty box striker that's going to do that thing. Um, Patrick, one of the comments here is the Aberdeen game is just absolutely massive and games at this stage of the season should not be massive. That's on Ange. I had to look back um, only a couple of seasons ago and we're only three points, I say only, 
um, we're, we're three points worse off than we were in the table table season at this point in time in terms of the amount of games that we've played. Surely I, I tip to Pitodzi and, you know, the, the Derby game only a few weeks back are always massive at this time of the season. It's not in the manager. You just These are always big games that, you know, you know you need to try and win. Well, you know, I think it is. I think every game's a massive game, really. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, two seasons ago, we were in a bit of a title race and it was neck and neck. Last year, we were playing catch-up and every game was a massive game. Uh, you are mentioning the treble-treble season. I remember after we lost to Kilmarnock, I think it was actually seven games in, mm-hmm. people were saying it's our worst start in about 20 years, 15, 20 yeah. years. You're now saying that we are three points worse off than that. Yeah. Uh, so it, it shows you what state we're in. Uh, I would say, <clears throat> excuse me, I would say it's a must-win game, but I'm not sure what I mean by that because... As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. If we don't win it, do you sack the manager? I don't think you do. No. Uh, If you don't win it, is the title gone? Uh, I think if you lose and Rangers win, I think you can probably call it a day. Uh, if, if, if we both drop the same number of points, I think we can we can still catch up. But I, I don't know in what sense this is a must-win game because I don't think there's any consequence behind it unless, you know, the, the title race is over on the 3rd of October, which would be a total catastrophe. Uh, I, I, I think... You know, we've got a really good record at Aberdeen. As you were saying, they're in a really, really poor run of form just now. Mm. Uh, I think they're in a similar situation to us where it will work eventually. It's teasing problems and they probably just don't have the squad at the minute. And, you know, like Lennon, McInnes was a bit of a, a an ancient dinosaur of a manager. You know, it, leaving him in the job for so long probably didn't help them. But... Uh, I'm I'm hopeful and I'm quietly confident we can win the game. It's been five years since Aberdeen last beat us at Pitodry. That's how long it's been, and yet every time we go up there, it's always a difficult game. They always seem to raise their game when Celtic come into town. Um, and you think about it, and there's always been hard, hard games. There's been like four threes, three eaches, the odd two one here and there. But when you look at the kind of track record overall, I think when you look at the last fifty-three games or something like that, Aberdeen's only won four. And that's like Celtic versus Aberdeen. The last 53, they've only won four, and there's been about the same amount of draws. So we always say it's a hard game, and I'm not saying that it's going to be easier. I do think it's going to be very difficult going up there. But when you look at the kind of the history of the fixture, it always seems to be a game where both teams up their game. And you look at the kind of start, when it says here, do you need to cut on some slack? I'm not giving, making an excuse for the guy. But if you looked at the, the kind of fixture list and the away games that he had, 
you're looking at Hearts away, you're looking at Rangers away, you're looking at Livingston away, a ground where we've not won since 2006, and then Aberdeen away. Then you've got Motherwell away. These are hard, hard fixtures. See if he'd picked up another two or three, uh, not even wins, but maybe even three or four extra points. You, you wouldn't be in the position where you're saying we need to cut him some slack. So eventually this season, these fixtures will turn. Instead of playing the likes of Dundee United and St Myrna at home, you'll play them away and you'll have these tough games back at Celtic Park where traditionally we've been the better team. Even on Sunday we were the better team, we just didn't take our chances. And that's with a very dead bare squad. So you've got to hope that when these players come back into it, then you can start getting back to the performances we had in the first couple of weeks of the season. Yeah, I totally agree though with what Patrick said there though, you know, um, in terms of, you know, if we, if we don't win the game, you know, it's not going to have any dramatic consequence because no. in terms of the idea of a rebuild, you need to give it time, you need to give the, the person in charge time and, um, you know, I think if you were... To, to, to think just now, you know, if you let Ange Postacoglu go in terms of how many players he's brought in, everything that we've heard them say about the club, where would we be? We'd be in a complete disaster. The fans would turn. We'd be, you know, as much as this start of the season isn't what any of us would have wanted to, you know, we'd just put ourselves in a poorer position if we were to make any any dramatic change. Um, just to look forward to the Scotland squad, which I think is going to come out this afternoon, just to wrap up on, um, in terms of the Celtic players, uh, what, what Celtic players would, would you guys imagine will be included in Steve Clark's squad? Obviously, we've got McGregor coming back from injury. I, I would hope, even though me and Patrick are going to the Israel game, that he's probably not actually picked for the squad. Mm-hmm. and rather he's up at, at Lennoxdown because he's not really been featured too much under Steve Clark recently. Um, and then we've got Tony Dalson, who was not in the Scotland squad the last time round. He's obviously still been playing games. We've got David Turnbull and an injured James Forrest. I don't know if he'll be back in there. And we've also got Welsh and, and Montgomery. So just to throw that one out to the two years before we wrap up, who would you imagine that Steve Clark will, will pick for these upcoming fixtures? Won a massive game, that game against Israel. Um, yeah. and uh, I'm, I'm actually hoping to be at that game as well. But I think the only player that could maybe get in is David Turnbull. That, that's all we've got really at the minute. Everyone else is sort of a couple of niggling injuries and guys that you really don't want to be going away because if they were to pick up another one, we're without them again for another month. So Turnbull's probably the only shout. Patrick? Um, I think he could pick McGregor and then leave him on the bench for quite a few games. I can't see Welsh being picked. No. Uh, I think he was more likely to be picked the last time and he, he hasn't been. And he's not started as many games since then, so I can't see that. So I'd agree with Turnbull and then maybe McGregor. Not that I'd like to see them being picked because I think Celtic win so much of a pickle just now. I'd rather no Celtic players are included. Yeah. Um, we obviously want Scotland to do well, but I think for the injury crisis that we've got at this moment in time, we'd rather just a few of those Celtic players are left out the squad and he um, picks it a few more uh, people um, from down south and around the league. Um, one being Lewis Ferguson, who I'd imagine we will likely face on Sunday, thanks to everybody who has uh, contributed today in the comments. Your, your comments are always welcome. Um, and also, just to remind everybody, you can win a signed and framed Bobby Lennox print. Just subscribe to us on YouTube to enter. We're doing really well with the subscriptions. have gone up and up and up. And um, even though we're not getting the results that we'd hope for just now, it's always good to have everybody's um, interaction in the comments and their thoughts on Celtic at this moment in time. But to Colin Watt and Patrick McGill, thank you for joining me on a Celtic state of mind. 
It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.